This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. It's the Bet Rivers Network, the Mark Madden Podcast. Mark out today. Tim Benz, Tom Offerman in with you this afternoon. I'll have my podcast, the Pittsburgh CityCast, tomorrow. We're doing things a little out of order to bounce around Mark's schedule as he's in Vegas, where you always used to be able to bet, but now you can bet from anywhere, courtesy of Bet Rivers. Tom, will you be betting on the Steelers this week? I am going to be betting on the Steelers this week, Tim. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. I'm assuming you did before we just started recording this podcast. The uh, official word on Lamar Jackson is a PCL sprain, I believe. That's usually one to three week timetable. So he ain't playing this week. It's going to be Tyler Huntley. And while I think the Ravens did a good job of getting an insurance policy via a backup quarterback that is very similar stylistically to Lamar, it is Lamar Jackson light in every sense of the word. And Lamar Jackson, can you think of another player, maybe Josh Allen, but he even has digs that is more tasked with carrying his own team's offense than Lamar Jackson is with the Ravens? And we saw that dip last year when the Steelers played the Ravens with Huntley a season ago. It is, and you make a good point, often brought up how he can replicate the skill set of Lamar Jackson but he ain't Lamar Jackson. Right. Like the offense doesn't have to go through this complete makeover overhaul. It's not like Flacco's back there right. as the other option anymore. But I thought the Steelers really made Huntley look bad at times last year in that final week game. And I often look back at that game and wonder how much more they could have really stepped on the accelerator and made things even worse for him if they had any faith whatsoever that the Jaguars were going to beat the Colts, which not even, I don't even think Mike Tomlin believed that was going to happen last year. And if they really felt like the playoffs were within their grasp or they were chasing a one seed or, you know, it, it was in their own hands, I think that could have been even more blood in the water. And I just think that game, they had to warm up to that game a little bit, I think, when they realized they kept checking the scoreboard right. knowing that the Colts were uh, on the threshold of giving it away which eventually they did no you're absolutely right in my mind because those guys are human too right like yeah. all of us leading into that week thought there was no chance in hell we the Colts this. were gonna lose we, we saw it a couple years before that in the 2020 season yeah the, the, the sorry the 2019 season the duck and mason season where they were alive by a thread they needed a thousand other things to happen and they played listlessly and the rg3 ravens just 
ate him up and, and made him look terrible. And I kind of had that tone around that game last year against Huntley until you got past halftime and you realized that they took care of business. They were going to go in because the Colts were not taking care of business. And maybe even more out of fear, Tom, that would have been, I think, the worst loss in the Tomlin era if they had lost that game and the Jaguars still beat the Colts. Just because of the circumstance that played and out it went with the Jaguars. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that you're spot on there. But that's different. It's a different story in this game against the Ravens. There's not going to be this listless attitude heading into this game. In fact, it could be quite the opposite. I don't think they're going to win out. I don't think you think they're going to win out. No. But that's no. that's definitely what the, the rally cry is in that locker room right now, is to win every game and see where the chips fall if you get to 10-7. and seven. So they're going to be looking at this Ravens game and every game to come with a playoff-like focus. And I think Tomlin's going to have the, the players you know, not listlessly going through these last couple of games and saying, well, we could still be alive, but we'd have to win out and then hope a couple things break in our direction too. Is that really possible? I think it's early enough in the season, in the stretch run of the season that you could convince yourself that it's possible. Interesting line, Tom, in the sense that it's minus three for the Steelers. they got to cover a field goal spread here, but you're getting plus money if you take it. You don't often see that. No, that's, that's what it's set at. It's set at plus money for the Steelers to win by field goals. So they're trying to bait you into getting off that hook. Do you think that if Lamar was healthy, that would have been the line the line would have been in the Steelers' favor as well? Because I actually do think that it would have been like Steelers minus one, even yeah. with a healthy Lamar. That team in general has well, so just looked terrible. Lamar, like if, if Lamar had not been hurt at all, I still would have been stunned if the Ravens were favored. But not by some like seven-point no. spread or no, like touchdown. They, maybe or the like Ravens that. were a point or two point or favorite. Two favorite. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that they're trying to, you know, bait you into maybe betting on that, that three points and... That doesn't really encourage you when you try to read the tea leaves of the gambling world, right? If you're a Steelers fan, that it's plus money for them to be a three point underdog or a three point favorite at home, does it? But yeah, that kind of tends me to think that they know that the Ravens, despite the injury, might pull off the upset here. Steelers, if you want to get off the three and you want to get it down to two and a half, it's at minus one twenty right now, which isn't terrible still if you feel like you really do believe this is going to come down to a field goal, and Which, that's going to be the I difference. Mean, you know, it's it's Ravens-Steelers, Ravens isn't it? Yeah, It always happens. Uh, it was 20-19 to 19 the last time it was <laughs> here. And the Steelers do often play well against Lamar Jackson when he's out there. I, I can't even really use the phrase often because he's so often unavailable true. when the Steelers play against them. Yeah, that's true. RG3, uh, they saw Tyler Huntley last year again, so this is the second time they're going to see Huntley. But there the one is, year where he started to play, they had played him twice already before yes. he began starting. There is just a knack, though, for the Steelers defending Lamar Jackson. And I think, you know, you first saw it in that first season. The Ravens still ran for, what was it, like 200-plus yards on the Steelers in one of the games that the Steelers actually ended up winning, though, against them. And you start to, well, maybe there's something to it. Maybe they know how to play Lamar, but I wasn't really ready to buy into it. The more and more the sample size grows, though, there's something to what the defensive game plan that Tomlin, Flores, Austin this year are deciding, Butler in years past, are deciding to employ against Lamar Jackson. And they're very effective against him, more so than other teams in the league. I'm not going to say they're going to shut him down completely. He's not going to get his every now and then when he plays. But they're really solid at stopping that dude. And they'll see him again probably in the second matchup this year, but... If you're really solid at stopping the main dude, you should be extra good at stopping the light version of him in Tyler Huntley. It is amazing 
for the history of Steelers Ravens. And Mike Tomlin was waxing poetic about the history of Steelers Ravens this afternoon at his press conference. How often this game comes down to backup quarterbacks and how often the backup quarterbacks win or make it close. Like Charlie Batch won that famous game down in Baltimore after the eight turnover game against the Browns the week before, where it looked like the Steelers were going to be dead in the water the minute after the ball was kicked. And then they shocked the Ravens and won on a walk-off field goal. Uh, Ryan Mallett in 2015. Never forget that. Still, I think, the worst loss in the Tomlin era. Only would have been surpassed by, by the Tyler, Huntley, loss, Tyler yeah. Huntley last year if it had happened. Uh, Dennis Dixon got a game to overtime in Baltimore, as you might recall. Am I fuzzy on this one, too? Was the game where Byron Leftwich had that amazing run on a Sunday night football and broke his shoulder... I think that was against the Ravens I as well. That was against Washington. Was it against Washington? You might be right. I don't. I don't know, but I thought that was against a team Wa- from the DMV. Somewhere it was down in there. that area. Yeah. yeah. But I, you're right. It's amazing that it all. And Tomlin making reference to it. It, it comes down to that number Charlie two Batch, on the roster. The yeah. fourth time or the fourth game rather for Ben's suspension and final 20- game of Batch's career, start of his career at least. Yeah. So they were three and zero to start that season in 2010 when Ben was suspended, and then it was a tight game all the way down. To the end, and uh, the Ravens won it late, but that was another illustration of how tight these games always are, even if the backups are in there. So uh, that's why the line is set where it is, even if Lamar Jackson is out. Now, how are you feeling about their playoff chances now, their division chances now? I still don't like their division chances because I think the Bengals are cresting. You know, they're playing better, and Chase has just gotten back. They're playing better, and Mixon will come back. I think the Bengals are still going to win the North. I picked them to win the North at the start of the year. I was never on the Ravens' bandwagon as much as I was on the Bengals. I thought the Bengals looked worse than I expected to start the season after the Super Bowl loss a year ago, even though that Super Bowl loser hangover is always something you track. But I think the Bengals win the North. The Steelers aren't going to win out at 10-7 and and have the Bengals lose to the point that they only wind up with nine wins, which only mean one more win for them because you can't count on them in a head-to-head divisional tiebreaker. They They split. They split at least head-to-head, and then the division, I I guess they could. I don't know what the Bengals – the Bengals lost to the Browns at least once, right? And the Ravens. Oh, they I guess you the could Ravens then. as well. Yeah, and Joe so Burrow's I, never beat the Browns, who they play this week. So maybe you get lucky in that avenue. But it goes from division to conference after that, it right? Does right. So if they play, if they go by division then conference, that's where the Steelers only get screwed trying to win the division. That's where they're going to get screwed when it comes to the wild card, because all four Eastern teams, all four of the AFC East teams, have a head-to-head tiebreaker over the Steelers. So they're going to have to go ten and seven. And hope for the best. Nine and eight is not going to get them in. So, near as I can tell, they might be able to get above five hundred and keep that non-losing streak alive for Mike Tomlin. I just don't see the playoffs happening. And you've said this uh, recently regarding that streak. That means more outside of Pittsburgh than it does in Pittsburgh. It means more to the media national pundits get to be like, Pittsburgh. "What a great job!" Yeah. People in Pittsburgh kind of tired of hearing about that. I know where it means a lot in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin's office, because <laughs> he's a big believer in that. Steelers are one and two in the division right now. The Bengals are one and three. So the Bengals have played one oh. more game than the Steelers. Wait, they have, they have a third loss? 
Yeah, they've lost to every team once. The Browns, the Ravens, and the Steelers. Oh, okay. All right. And yeah. then their only win is so they can I guess so they can then theoretically win the division. But as far as your conference tiebreaker, when you look at the wild card, the Steelers are two and six against the AFC right now. Just right. two wins against your conference. If is, they won out, then they would have two against the Ravens, one against the Browns, and one against the Raiders. So that would get better. You'd even it out a little bit. And I know the Eastern teams are going to cannibalize each other a little bit, but I still see that as a Awfully hard road to hoe for, for the Steelers to get in. This is where you look at hindsight, and I love looking at hindsight. It's the best. You got to beat the Jets and you got to beat the Patriots, right? Those are two when you very say winnable looking at games. Hindsight, do you like think actually of like looking back at Heinz Ward? Is that what you mean by that? No, not Heinz sight. Oh, Heinz oh, oh, There's okay. a D in there. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. But you got to beat the Jets. Because I know you get the same way about Heinz. <laughs> of course. You got to beat the Jets, though, right? Got to beat the Jets. Got to beat the Jets. Make you're a play up, against the you're Patriots. You're up by 10 points against the Jets in the fourth quarter. Your guy shouldn't throw two late interceptions 100%. against the Dolphins. And I actually would love to see what. Kenny Pickett now, now we're really playing the hypothetical game, Tim. Week 14 Kenny Pickett would have looked like in those week four, week five spots against the Jets, against the Dolphins. Because the one thing that Pickett's been discernibly better at is protecting the football and not throwing interceptable passes. Interestingly enough, that's exactly what he needed to do to win those games against the Jets and the Dolphins. So, again, you can't get in the time machine and take future Kenny Pickett, drop him in the past and get two more wins. But I'm just saying your quarterback was young and inexperienced in those two games, and now you're going to look back and say, did we play the rookie too young, or did we play the rookie too early in an effort to save our season, and did it end up actually costing our season? I would look back and use hindsight (laughs) to training camp and give him a few reps with the ones. Because because his his hysteria was always going to be there. Yeah, and his rapport with Deontay Johnson was so far behind the eight ball when he got into the starting lineup. This they had no chemistry that they fast tracked him from three to two, but they couldn't at least at that point tinker with him working out with the ones a little bit because it might be a threat to Mitch Trubisky. That was silly because, I mean, it's clear you're fast-tracking him to what? Be the backup all year? No one was thinking that. Trubisky couldn't have possibly thought that. And if Trubisky was going to be threatened by that, or if Tomlin thought that was going to ramp up the hysteria around Pickett even more, that was short-sighted because we're now seeing the residual of that, which is here it is December and we're still griping about losses that they had in October where Pickett might have been further along in the learning curve. And I think the Pickett you are seeing now is the Pickett that a lot of people expected to see From in his jump, first yeah. four starts. Yeah, it's it was supposed to be, wow, he doesn't really do anything great playmaking-wise, but does he protect the football and does he think the game really well? That was supposed to be his first half of the season. Then the second half was when the playmaking stuff had come. It's just a little delayed, I think, right now because he didn't get to start right away. Tim, it kind of strikes me that the Steelers, all along, Tomlin, the front office, they wanted Pickett to be the starter. They just felt like there was this obligation towards doing it the right way or doing things the Steeler way. And I think they get caught up in that a lot, and it ends up hurting them more than helping them where – there's this rich tradition, and we do things a certain way here, and you don't just come in as a rookie and get to be number one. We start you at number three. Hell, in Ben's case, he was number four before injuries happened. That's what the Steelers are about. And Tomlin's an old-school guy that buys into all of that Steeler lore and then some and adds to it. It strikes me that if they could have gone back, and if you give them truth serum, he would have been like, I want Kenny to start from day one. 
but he just felt pigeonholed into doing things the Steeler way and giving Mitch the fair shot and, you know, bringing the rookie along slowly because that's just what we've always done. Steelers are plus 6,600 to win the AFC North right now. So if you believe the calculus that we just laid out for you. 10 bucks on that or something. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. It's plus 6,600. The Bengals plus 120 to win the division, and the Ravens are still minus 134. If I you, might just get in on the Bengals right now. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Bengals would be minus for sure at this point. I'm with you that I think they're going to win the division. I think it's lucky that they're not in first place right now if you're the Ravens. The Ravens, between the Panthers game and the Jaguars game, have been, or Panthers, Jaguars, and Broncos game, have been begging to drop a game, and they just have, they did lose the Jaguars game. I'm getting all my terrible Ravens performances in the past three weeks confused. Yeah, they do blow leads, They blow they? leads like crazy. What's going to happen in the second half of this game? Well, they didn't blow a lead last week. They had to claw their way back from that 9 nothing deficit against the, the Denver Broncos. But they're, they're, they're asking for a loss, whereas the Bengals are just getting better. I buy a lot into Matt Williamson, our colleague on Countdown to Kickoff and a bunch of other stuff in the iHeart cluster. He's brought this point up when it comes to the Bengals. They didn't have a preseason. Burrow's appendectomy. They didn't start any of their new offensive line. Chase didn't play. There was no gelling of that team. So they start 0-2, kind of a de facto preseason. They've been 8-2 ever since. They've been one of the best teams in football ever since that 0-2 start. They're just peaking at the right time, a lot like last year. And roster construction-wise, they're clearly the best roster in the North. Now, they do have a fairly tough schedule, tougher than the Steelers for sure. Yeah, the first-place schedule now. They have a hard time with Cleveland all the time, so they get Cleveland this weekend. That's at home, right? That's at home. Okay. At Brady and the Bucks. Yeah. The Patriots just, just on the road. Just don't be within two touchdowns with three minutes left with Tom Brady. That's all. <laughs> Did you see that last yes, night? Yeah. Three minutes left, he scores two touchdowns and wins. After it looked like he, he did was nothing dead buried. <laughs> Buffalo on Monday night football on the 2nd of January. That could be for the number one seed overall. And potentially. And then they close out at home against the Ravens. So the two divisional games are both at home. But Bucks, Patriots... And Bills, so you're looking at potentially four playoff teams between now and the end. So maybe that's why the odds are where they are. How about the Pens tonight against the Blue Jackets? I'm thinking under. I'm thinking uh, maybe even going Blue Jackets on this one, even though they're not they're not good. Uh, and that's because Sid's sick and didn't skate. Gino uh, didn't skate. Uh, no, Malkin was there. I he think Malkin there, skated today. But he's still game-time decision, And he's right? still game-time decision. DeSmith was the other guy. Jari's going to start. Merzlikens in net for the Blue Jackets. I think under is probably a safe bet, especially with offensive firepower lacking on the Penguin side of things, especially if Crosby can't go or if Malkin's... It's under six and a half. Even if, even if they can go, they're not going to be feeling their usual self, you'd have to imagine. So I, I bet the under's a safe bet. I think the Penguins will win. Penguins are really good at home this year. So I, I think it's always a safe bet to have the Penguins at home, uh, and especially against an inferior team like Columbus. So I like the under and I like the Penguins. You know what? I might even take Penguins minus one and a half on the puck line. Get a, a two-goal victory, maybe an empty netter to seal the deal. Maybe like a 3-1 kind of thing. Penguins minus one and a half on the puck line is minus 113. Oh, if you want them see, straight, it's minus 275. The it's still under, not that great odds with the puck line. Yeah, the under is... I think people know this one. Uh, they're figuring out who might be playing, who might be compromised. It's six and a half, but the under is minus 129. So you're not really getting much value 
in the bets that we think are going to hit in the Penguins games tonight. Correct. So therefore, yeah. take the Blue Jackets minus two point five. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to pay off a pretty penny. Uh, but no, seriously, I think the the Penguins are going to win. Tim, two guys I was thinking about before we jumped on here, knowing we were going to talk some Penguins that I think deserve. How do I put this? They're not the MVPs of the team. But they're two guys that I've looked at so far this year and been like, wow, hats off to you two. You have performed well above expectations, and it's great to see. Uh, Crosby and Malkin, they're leading the way. They've been phenomenal all year when healthy. But POJ's been really good on the blue line, and I think he's played even better since the Latang news happened in the past couple of days. And Jason Zucker finally looks like the Jason Zucker they thought they were getting from Minnesota, right? I mean, that's the guy that they've been expecting all along. He's always, when healthy, shown that... He's a spark plug and a really good just hockey player, globally speaking. But he's getting the finishing touches now, too, and he's you really... You can't go globally speaking on a hockey player. You can't bring Tomlinisms into hockey parlance. I can't mix my metaphors there? No. Oh, I'm sorry. So Jason Zucker really paints the barn red when he goes to the net, <laughs> and he doesn't leave anything to the imagination. His iron sharpens his iron? His iron sharpens iron. No, but he's finished. He doesn't now. blink. He cuts his eyelids. Don't, Jason Zucker, he do not blink cut at the net. your eyelids off. With your injury history, leave your eyelids alone. But he's finishing now, and he's finding a good spot on that wing on Malkin's line, and it's, it's encouraging to see those two playing really well. Is Ohio State at plus 350 not a bad choice for the college football playoff? How pissed are you if you're Georgia? You're the best team all year long. You roll everybody, and just because you don't want to have the game be the semifinal matchup, you now get to face the tougher of the opponents in the first round. They're better than TCU. That's a tougher opponent for Georgia than TCU would have been. I would be livid. I know they get to choose to play in their home state. They play in Atlanta. But I would be livid. We're the best team, and we have to play Ohio State. They should get to choose that game and play it in their own practice facility. (laughs) They should get to choose the opponent. The number one seat should get to choose who the number four seat is. I don't see why that's unfair or unjust. Yeah, but even the coaches wouldn't like doing that. Like, just because then they'd they'd give the perceived slight of, well, we picked you because you stink. Yeah. But you do you agree with me that they're getting kind of slightly screwed here? They're they're playing a tougher team. They're playing a much tougher team. There's, There's no way after, like, nobody was ranking TCU in front of Ohio State until Ohio State lost to Michigan. Exactly. So now that they have the same number of losses, they both lost the same kind of game. It was their most recent game. You're saying now that TCU is really a better team than Ohio State? Who's voting that? Nobody's voting that. Like, is, is that your way of saying, like, resume-wise, we're not penalizing TCU? The team that they're not penalizing is Michigan. Right. They're treating Michigan like they're the number one seed when they're the number two seed right now. Just make Michigan the number one then. Ohio State is a better win than TCU at Penn State on the road. Penn State's number eight in the country. You can't argue that that's a better win. And they have a better loss against Michigan. I know it was in Ohio State, but it's against the number two team in the country. But like Georgia's minus 152, and I don't feel great about putting Georgia on 152. That's to win the whole thing. I don't feel great about putting that number on them because that feels like too much for me when it comes to thinking that they're going to beat Ohio State and Michigan. Like, that doesn't seem like good value to me. 152 for two wins like that. Now, if you were to say Georgia on the money line against Ohio State, it's minus 245. Um, On the spread, it's 6.5 at minus 110. You know, I think Georgia is the best team. I think they'll probably win. I might even take them at minus 6.5. My inclination is to parlay Georgia and Michigan straight. I feel pretty yeah. good about that. But um, Ohio State could win that game. I think Ohio State could. I give Ohio State more of a chance to beat Georgia than I give TCU to beat Michigan. 
Yeah, sure. I do. What it's like nine and a half for Michigan, as, as far as the spread is concerned against TCU. I'd be nervous about taking that because Michigan's kind of that team that doesn't blow you out until super late in the game if they're gonna. Like they let you kind of stick around and they just beat the hell out of you for three straight quarters, and then if the levy breaks, the levy breaks, and you win by three touchdowns against Ohio State, or you just continue to grind out a, a one score victory. So taking the spread in that Michigan game, I'd be weary. But I agree with you with Georgia and Michigan winning on the money line. And I actually think this is a year that would have been perfect for the old BCS format. I think you have a clear two best teams in Georgia and Michigan. And I think Georgia's a cut above Michigan even. And then you have everybody else, TCU, well, Ohio also State, be USC, Alabama in that second tier. A great one for Madden's demand to have it be a six-teamer where you give the first two and they are conference a champions a buy. But then, you know, TCU's out and um, Ohio State's out. And then it'll be Utah and USC that would be the next two, and along with the, Tulane and Clemson. The sixth seed is the best group of five yeah. team. That's how you would do it. That's how Madden would do it. Yeah. See, the I think 12 is, just takes care of it so well because you're going to get all your conference champions in. Utah's going to be in this year. Kansas State's going to be in this year. And you still get the, the conferences teams that you just shouldn't wouldn't have do in. it because they don't want to get to a point where. You know, it's more money, obviously, when they get a second team from their conference. And in. now they're going to be getting three, four Now every teams, team is yeah. only going to get, I mean, maybe they can split it up more evenly and just have it be distributed. You know, it's, it's socialism at that point, you know, like between the six. Well, the new Big Ten can expect four teams almost every year, right? Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, USC. On a good year, they're getting all four in. SEC, same thing. Four teams probably going to get in. That leaves you four spots open and everybody else. Three Power Five conference automatic bids and then a couple of, of wild cards. Yeah. And I guess that group well, of the five times. The conference hopping and the bowl playoff growth are not exactly going <laughs> on the same track in terms <laughs> no. of logic, but there's never been anything logical in terms of college football. All right, that'll do it for us for the Mark Madden Podcast today here on the Bet Rivers Network. My Pittsburgh City cast will come your way tomorrow. Um, and we will also have Tom in place of Mark on Thursday as well here in the Bet Rivers Network. Thanks for listening, and Mark is back next week. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, BetRivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.